Welcome to a podcast of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. Today's episode is sponsored by the Foundation for Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy, which is committed to advocating for excellence in OMPT practice through its funding for initiatives and fellowship training, education, research, and public recognition. The Foundation for Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy is a 501c3 organization, and all contributions are tax-deductible. Donations can be made at our website, aaompt.org backslash foundation. This podcast series will feature interviews with content experts in manual therapy. Hello, my name is Stephen Schaefer, and I bet you noticed that the intro music was different this time around. That's because today we're launching a new project here at the podcast. Starting today and making an occasional appearance in the podcast feed, we'll be hearing from the Foundation for Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy. The foundation advocates for excellence in OMPT practice through its funding of initiatives in OMPT fellowship training, education, research, and public recognition. Joining us today, not only to talk in brief about this project, but also, and more importantly, to host the foundation's first podcast episode is Dr. Skip Gill. Dr. Gill is a current trustee for the Foundation for Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy. He recently retired from the U.S. Army and is now with George Washington University. Dr. Gill has served in AOMPT across several roles, including Program Director for the Army Baylor University Doctoral Fellowship in OMPT, Co-Chair of the AOMPT Standards Committee, and on numerous task forces. Dr. Gill, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you, Stephen. I'm excited and uh, pleased to be here. Well, we are very pleased to have you. And I know we're going to hand the microphone over because you have this exciting interview scheduled for us today. But prior to doing that, I was wondering if we could go over a few simple questions. And let's start with talking about what's the relationship of the foundation to AOMPT? Sure. So the foundation started about two years ago as a way to provide support to AOMPT through funding initiatives designed to promote excellence in OMPT. And it also plays an important role in providing oversight and financial support to ACOMPT, which is the Accreditation Council for Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy Education. It's the organization that accredits our fellowship programs. So then it sounds like you're playing an integral role when it comes to the entire OMPT community here in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's part of the funding initiatives that we have, you know, in the areas of education and practice, but even more so, it's trying to promote orthopedic manual physical therapy to a broader audience so that both other you know, medical providers and patients kind of understand and get to see the value of orthopedic manual physical therapy. And bearing all that in mind, what is this part of the AMP podcast project going to be about? So we were really aiming to have some discussions with experts in our field in areas where we think manual physical therapy can make a huge impact. Areas such as knee arthritis, hip arthritis, low back pain, neck pain, shoulder disorders, things along those natures. And again, we're hoping that the podcast would reach a broader audience than just PTs 
hoping to attract, uh, you know, maybe interest from patients and other medical providers. So it still sounds like there's going to be just like the podcast content we're already doing, a very clinical focus in terms of what a patient or a physio could expect when in a clinic. Yeah, absolutely. And how frequently can we expect to hear from you and the foundation here on the podcast feed? So we are hoping to do a podcast every two to three months and be able to highlight that to both our normal listening audience and potentially bring in some additional folks. Well, that sounds excellent. Thank you for introducing this project to our audience. I'm certain today's interview is going to be spectacular. And perhaps more importantly, I'm also looking forward to see what the future episodes that you have planned will bring our way. Well, thank you. And let's use that as a good point to transition. So without any further delay, let's get to the interview. Great. Well, it is certainly my pleasure to introduce our distinguished guest, Dr. Gail Dial. What stands out to me is his long and close connection to advanced clinical training, clinical research, and the teaching of clinicians. Dr. Dial is a professor with Baylor University and the founder and emeritus faculty member of the Army Baylor Doctoral Fellowship in Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy, located at Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, Texas. He has taught in numerous entry-level and post-professional programs and for the American Physical Therapy Association on topics related to differential reasoning, manual therapy, and musculoskeletal imaging. He has a bachelor's from the University of Nebraska, a master's of physical therapy from Baylor University, a doctor of physical therapy from Creighton University, and a doctor of science from Andrews University. He is board certified in orthopedics, a fellow of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists, and a fellow of the American Physical Therapy Association. Dr. Dial has numerous peer-reviewed publications on the effectiveness of physical therapy approaches for musculoskeletal conditions. He is a three-times recipient of the prestigious Rose Research Award from the Orthopedic Academy of the American Physical Therapy Association, in addition to other prestigious national teaching and research awards. Well, welcome, Dr. Dial, and how are you doing today? I am doing very well, Dr. Gale, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to participate in this podcast. Yeah, that's great. Well, today's interview focuses on knee arthritis, and we're very interested to hear your insights. You had a recent publication in the New England Journal of Medicine titled Physical Therapy versus Glucocorticoid Injections for Osteoarthritis of the Knee. This was a randomized clinical trial where you found that patients who were treated with a manual physical therapist approach had improved pain and function at one year over patients who received steroid injections in their knee. And this is really a continuation of several other high-quality clinical trials and articles you've published on knee arthritis. So this is obviously a passion of yours. Can we start today by just asking if you'll tell me a little bit about what sparked your interest in this topic? 
Well, I'd be happy to do that. I was an experienced orthopedic specialty physical therapist when after completing uh, a formal program of manual therapy training, I started experimenting with treating the movement impairments I found in osteoarthritic knees with hands-on manual physical therapy techniques that I reinforced with movement and strengthening exercises. And somewhat to my surprise, these patients responded very well to a small number of treatment sessions. But at that point, I really wanted to take the next step and see if my clinical observations would be similar to the outcomes in a valid clinical trial. So our first clinical trial was published as the lead article in the Annals of Internal Medicine. And what that means is the journal editor thought that this was very important work. In that trial, we compared manual physical therapy consisting of hands-on techniques and reinforcing exercises to a very credible placebo treatment under exactly the same clinical conditions and with the same interaction with the physical therapist. And we found the benefits of the manual physical therapy treatment to be large and important, and those persisted to one year. Well, those findings received a lot of attention from both the professional and the lay media with subsequent articles in the New York Times, the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery, the Journal of Evidence-Based Medicine, and our research was selected for Mosby's Yearbook of Medicine, just to mention a few. This study, while very important initial work, was just the first step in a series of clinical studies that have all found this type of approach provides substantial benefit to patients with stiff and painful knees without the risk associated with many other treatments. That's great background on how you started down this line of research. You know, some of your research indicates that not as many people access a physical therapist as a first line of treatment as we would expect. Why is it that NEOA patients wind up with higher risk interventions like surgery or injections before they've had a course of PT? Dr. Gill, that is a, a really interesting question. Why don't most patients go to a physical therapist before being sent for higher risk treatments that are quite possibly not as beneficial or any more beneficial? I do not think that there is just one simple answer. It could be that healthcare providers simply may not be aware of the substantial benefit of physical therapy using the strategies such as we studied. And patients may also not be aware of the benefits of physical therapy, or patients may view physical therapy treatment as too complicated or time-consuming. I think these thoughts about being time-consuming or complicated are not true for most patients as quite frequently the patients in our studies leave feeling much better after only one treatment session. Perhaps one of the biggest reasons more patients with knee osteoarthritis do not receive physical therapy is that while the pharmaceutical industry continuously promotes a spectrum of medications for knee pain and stiffness, there is no similar entity to push comparatively low-risk, high-benefit physical therapy strategies. In fact, Findings in several of our clinical trials were that physical therapy reduced the need for medications and higher-risk, more invasive treatments such as steroid injections and knee replacement surgery. Yeah, well, I think that's exactly what patients would want to hear. Can I ask you, with your background uh, with teaching and imaging, 
What do you think the role is that imaging plays in our NEOA patients? So I guess, how do you approach a patient who comes in maybe with low expectations for physical therapy because they've been told by other providers that their knees are bone on bone? I think telling patients that they are bone on bone is in most cases, quite unfortunately, an incomplete and a mostly inaccurate statement of the state of the patient's knee. And I would never tell a patient that. Yes, a lot of people experience changes in their articular cartilage with overuse, injury, and aging. Articular cartilage is the shiny stuff on the end of chicken bones, and it covers the end of human bones, and it is indeed an important joint surface. However, in many cases, when the cartilage thins, the underlying bone thickens, and that underlying bone becomes a reasonably good joint surface that can provide many years of high level joint function with minimal symptoms. One circumstance that leads patients, unfortunately, more rapidly down the pathway of imaging and surgery is an acute episode of knee pain and swelling as a result of a minor injury, a minor misstep, or a minor twist that results in pain and swelling. While there are many possible causes for such events, most often these resolve within a week or two with a little bit of of rest or crutch walking and just some sort of minimal management. It is like your knee has a cold. It needs chicken soup and some rest for a few days, not imaging, and a total joint replacement. This, coincidentally, is a great time to see a physical therapist. (laughs) Yes, well, I definitely agree with that. And I like that idea of prognosis, good prognosis, it sounds like, from your opinion. So how about for the patients who feel surgery is going to be maybe a one-time fix or seem to convince that that's a better option over conservative care? How do you approach those discussions with them? Well, I think some patients uh, seem to think that a major surgery like total knee replacement is something they have earned or a benefit they're entitled to or one that they may lose out on if they do not rush to get the surgery. Perhaps they feel they did a tough job for many years, and now their knee is worn out and needs replacement. While that patient's knee may indeed have substantial wear, it may also provide additional years of high-level function with minimal symptoms. Total knee replacements are major surgery and can have a spectrum of serious complications such as loosening, bleeding, or infection all of which have the potential to worsen the outcome. Even when everything goes quite well with the surgery, a substantial portion of patients will need a second, more complicated surgery within 10 to 20 years of their knee replacement. For patients in their 50s, receiving total knee replacements, the lifetime need for revision is increased. What that means to me is that if a patient can do all the things after a few physical therapy sessions that they can do after total joint replacement, I think they can continue their life with less risk of a serious event and the substantial time out of their life for the major surgery and the substantial and frequently painful postoperative rehabilitation. If and when their function declines or if symptoms are no longer manageable, That patient may be a good candidate for a total joint replacement. 
but they will probably only need one surgery or one joint replacement in their lifespan. And there is absolutely nothing in the physical therapy treatment of knee osteoarthritis that would compare to the pain patients have after total knee replacement. Sure. No, that's great, great things to consider. So, you know, in my experience, many of these arthritic knees can be very irritable and we want to avoid flaring them up any further than they already are. So how does the manual therapy approach help navigate these type of challenging patients? Well, an important aspect of the manual physical therapy approach is tailoring the treatment to the patient and the type of difficulties they are currently having. A good patient-focused interview can provide the basis for good decisions on the type and the dose of treatment. These decisions typically include all the forces the patient experiences with getting to the appointment, their typical work day, their general physical activity, and anything specific to the physical therapy treatment. When I treat a patient for their knee osteoarthritis, even after the first or second session, most patients say their knee feels better, lighter, less stiff, and easier to move. They frequently relate that they are sleeping better. At times, patients may confuse exercise handouts from healthcare providers with physical therapy. Having received physical therapy means you have interacted with a licensed physical therapist and completed a program that the physical therapist tailored specifically to the patient. That's a great point. And uh, you did mention dosing. And the concept of either manual therapy or exercise dosing, I think, is challenging for many practitioners. I guess finding the right amount to either not over-treat or under-treat is equally important. So could you speak a little bit about how you try to guide physical therapists in determining the appropriate amount of dosing for treatment for NEOA? Sure, Dr. Gill. I think you are correct that dosing in physical therapy is an exacting science. It takes formal training and clinical experience to initiate a program that is well-tolerated or feels good and still benefits the patient. There are signs and symptoms from the interview and the examination that provide important clues as to the appropriate baseline level for the amount of physical therapy treatment or provides the good place to start. Careful reassessment through patient feedback and observation at every step of treatment, such as when adding new treatment techniques or adding an additional exercise, helps to determine how the patient responds to the treatment. Yeah, okay. So is this at all related to, I guess I'm hearing more about booster treatments, and I, I noticed in your recent study you added booster treatments to patients at the four-month and the nine-month marks, and you saw retention of those earlier gains out to even a year. So does this argue for PTs to be involved in the long-term management of these type of patients? I think so. I think this is exactly what the concept of booster treatment suggests, that the physical therapist has a role that's more like a coach for this chronic condition. And booster physical therapy treatment sessions are quite simply an opportunity for the physical therapist and the patient to interact, 
to determine how well their management of their chronic knee disorder is coming along. And this is very similar to how any chronic disorder such as diabetes or asthma is typically managed. It might be that when a patient with knee osteoarthritis follows up with their physical therapist, that all is well, that they're continuing their simple home program and that they require minimal ed- medications and they can do most things that they need to do on a day-to-day basis. That patient needs only a little praise and a suggestion for a time frame for another visit. Alternatively, the patient might have discontinued the home program for some health or family event and cannot remember enough details to restart, or perhaps their knee simply does not feel as good as when they were under clinical treatment. That patient might benefit from two to three additional visits for some hands-on treatment and to reestablish the exercise program. Yeah, okay, that makes sense to me. So I guess maybe to put this all together, I thought maybe it would be helpful for our listeners to hear what a course of management for a typical NEOA patient might look like. So I was wondering if you could maybe describe an example patient and discuss how you might progress both the examination and the treatment of this patient over maybe an initial course of, say, six visits. Most typically, patients with knee osteoarthritis are sent to see me when their condition worsens, or if they have one of the acute events that I discussed earlier. They may know and have some experience that they have a stiff knee or it gives them some difficulty, but then something changes. And fortunately, this is sometimes just something that the patient uh, is supposed to do to go to physical therapy while waiting to get an MRI accomplished or to have their appointment with an orthopedist rather than viewing physical therapy as definitive treatment. During the initial session with this you know, patient that is encountering increased difficulty, I will carefully observe and interview the patient to determine what types of daily activities they are involved in and the types of difficulty they are having. I try to keep this at the whole person level and determine if there are also back, hip, ankle issues or conditions that are also giving them substantial difficulty. I will address these conditions as they relate to their primary need disorder. I use that information derived from the interview to plan an examination of their knee and potentially related areas and to rule out things that might need treatment by other specialties. I may plan to complete some of the examination at subsequent appointments as I want to make sure that I have plenty of time for symptom-reducing treatment at that first session. Based on the findings of the examination, I will prioritize and provide some hands-on treatment that I expect to provide that patient with substantial benefit and symptom relief. If I am successful, I would most likely provide one or two treatment-reinforcing exercises for the patient to perform first in the clinic, and if they are successful in doing these in the clinic, then I will also advise them to continue those exercises at home. Before the patient leaves the clinic, I will guide them to pay attention to how their knee feels with the specific activities they related were bothersome and also while sleeping and provide me with that information at the next visit. This interaction 
continues for a total of six to eight sessions over three to four weeks, each session lasting about an hour. However, if a patient could only get off work or could only for some reason make it to the clinic for two to three visits, I could also work with that schedule on the idea that patient would do more self-treatment on a home basis. Each visit that the patient is able to come to the clinic provides me with an opportunity to progress my examination and add additional hands-on and reinforcing exercise treatment. More hands-on techniques and reinforcing exercises are typically used at later sessions once the understanding of the patient is increased and I have an opportunity to demonstrate that they are tolerant to these types of treatments and activities. We may start with helping the patient get their knee to straighten more easily and with less pain and stiffness when they walk, and then progress to helping them bend their knees more completely for activities like getting in and out of the car or up and down from a chair. If a patient has interest in riding a stationary bicycle, I frequently fit a bicycle to them and try a short session in the clinic. Bicycling can provide excellent knee motion, and if certain parameters are met, also provide strengthening and cardiovascular benefit. Most patients have some access to a stationary bicycle so they can continue after the initial phase of physical therapy, clinical treatment is completed. After the six to eight sessions, most patients experience substantial improvement. By that point, we have established a simple home program of once a day exercise that the patient will perform for a few minutes and perhaps they will also do some stationary cycling, uh, exercise on an elliptical machine, or walk for fitness. I teach my patients how to select good activities and how to find an optimal dose of activity that makes their knee feel good. Yeah, okay. Well, so those are great insights. And, uh, you know, I hope that our listeners, whether there are patients or other medical providers, and certainly our AOMP membership, uh, you know, I hope they they really appreciate the thoughtfulness that you've put into designing this type of a program for those NEOA patients and uh, just your your long experience in treating them. So I think that finishes us up for this particular podcast. I just wanted to say thank you and see if you had any kind of last comments or summary comments uh, for our audience. Well, thank you, Dr. Gill. I indeed think a physical therapy program such as we have studied and I have described here today can provide substantial benefit for most patients with osteoarthritis of the knee. In our clinical trials, about 60% of studied patients receive greater than 50% benefit. And on the spectrum of interventions for knee osteoarthritis, that is huge. And so I think we need to make sure that patients indeed have this as a treatment option. And physical therapists, just as medical doctors, choose specialties for training. And for patients, I suggest finding a physical therapist with orthopedic or sports medicine residency level training and manual therapy fellowship training. It is entirely appropriate, and you should ask your physical therapist, do you provide treatment for knee osteoarthritis like that studied and published by Dr. Dial and colleagues? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, thank you again, and thank you to our audience. 
For those listening that are AOMP members, we look forward to seeing everybody at the AOMP annual conference this year in San Diego from the 26th to the 30th of October. This has been a production by the Foundation for Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy in support of AAOMPT. You can learn more about the Foundation for OMPT as well as make tax-deductible donations on our website at aaompt.org backslash foundation. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the official positions of the Foundation or AAOMPT. The information provided should not be used for personal health care or clinical expert advice.